1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3. We've been looking at rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. Looking a little more at that tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And we'll start in verse 13. And Brother Jim, would you lead us in prayer, please, sir? First Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive what? A reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer what? Loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So that last phrase there, letting us know, this is not talking about the loss of salvation. That's impossible. But it's talking about the loss of rewards. Well, what are some of those rewards? Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 4. What are some of these rewards um, that we have a chance to get one day? 2 Timothy 4, and we'll just look at verses 7 and 8. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a what? Crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So we see one of the crowns, one of the rewards we can get is the crown of righteousness. It's not just for Paul. It's not just for pioneer missionaries. He said in verse 8, the last part, unto all them also that love his appearing. We'll be looking at that in just a few moments. Well, what is involved in getting this crown then? Um, let's look at verse 7 there again. It says, I have fought what? A good fight. So we got to get in the battle. If we want this crown, we've got to get in the battle. We can't just be a bystander. We've got to become involved in the battle. Um, if you hold your place here, turn with me, please, to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 and verse 9. We'll read verses 9 through 11. Psalm 78, verse 9. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, did what? They turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Ephraim was one of those tribes um, that went into idolatry. So, and Ephraim right here was not willing to get in the battle. And that's the thing, isn't it? If we don't get into the battle, if we don't, if we don't try to share the word of God with others, we, we, kind of, we kind of become like the difference between a swamp and a lake. 
a lake has to have a fresh water source, whether it's springs or a river or a creek into it, and then an outlet. Um, back on my grandfather's land, um, he had some swamps. And they were swamps because there was no inlet and no outlet. Basically, they just were rainwater. And so in the summertime, those swamps would, if it wasn't a very wet summer, the swamps would dry right up. Um, so it was just rainwater. So, and it was, the water was stagnated. Uh, you wouldn't want to drink it, that's for sure. And so we need to be in the battle. What, what keeps the Bible alive and exciting to us is if we're looking for something, if we're looking for something, for answers. Uh, and we all know sometimes when we're facing trials, um, the Word of God seems so much more precious to us because we're, we're grasping for something to hold on to. So, uh, but Ephraim, they were equipped, they had the bows, they were armed, but they turned back in the day of battle. So there's just all kinds of things today. There is a battle going on, but will we turn back? What will happen? Will, will we be ashamed of the Lord and of his word? I pray that we would not be. Um, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and let's read verses 1 through 5. God, God has called each of us to be soldiers for him. He wants us to, to join in, to be active on duty. In 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully." We, we got some furniture back, I guess it was about six months ago, and, um, and we noticed some issues with it. So I called the place where we got it, and I think it's been a little over two months now, and so they, they sent somebody out to look at it. And um, so we talked about it, and, and when he went to leave, um, I gave him a gospel track, and and he, he said, he says, he says, yeah, I noticed the Bible sitting over there on the end table. Um, what, if someone were to come into our homes or um, if they were just to, to follow us around, um, could they tell any proof that we belong to Jesus Christ? Would they know? Um, in this area, some years ago, there was uh, there used to be a hardware store down by uh, Big Ziegenfuss Lake. That's gone now, but um, there were the people who owned that. Um, one time when I was in there, they said, "You know, there's a gravel pit just east of us here, and we've been seeing a lot of strange cars going in and out of that gravel pit lately." And so they were getting leery about what was happening. 
Well, it finally came out. Um, the FBI was, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd say, um, they, were, they were watching somebody in this area. And so they were in that gravel pit. Um, and it was them. And so they were, they were trying to check into some individual. And if somebody tried to check into us, would they find that we are Christians? I read recently, and probably many of you have too, that um, I forget what department it is in our government, but um, they ask to flag people who have made Bible purchases recently. Um, and th they were on the people to watch for terrorism. People who have bought Bibles recently. Um, it's a, kind of a sad day, isn't it? Yeah, it's a sad day. Um, but nonetheless, um, maybe you haven't needed a new Bible lately. There's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, but you know, could someone pin anything on us that, that we love God and read his word? Now, maybe you've, maybe you've downloaded a, a Bible app on your phone or something that someone could see that, that you're serious about the word of God. Um, in verse 1, it says there, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in what? In the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Being a good soldier means being brave. But it's not a, in our own strength. Um, brave, according to Webster's uh, 1913 dictionary, brave means bold, courageous, as opposed to being cowardly. So we saw Ephraim being armed and carrying bows turned back in the day of battle. Ephraim was not brave. Um, Ephraim was, was an idolatrous tribe, sadly to say. So this, this bravery, verse 1, is not self-confidence. It's not thinking that we are tough. It's it's, it says, Thou therefore, be, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you'd hold your place here, turn to me to Ephesians 6. It reminds us of another passage. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Ephesians 6.10. And that says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in who? In the Lord and in the power of what? His might. You know, it doesn't matter how strong and big someone is, a bullet can kill a strong man just as fast as it kills a weak man. A knife. A person can be big and strong and tough, but a knife thrust in the right place will kill a strong man just as fast as a weak man. So we need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That reminds me of Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. It's the bravery of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel 3 and verse 14. These three men were brave. 
We don't know how strong they were. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Bible never gives us any indication of how big or tough or weak, as far as that goes, they were physically speaking. But as we look in on we find that they're brave. Um, Daniel 3.14. And we'll read through 18. Daniel 3.14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made, well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Bravery means being willing to suffer harm or even suffer the loss of our lives if necessary. Now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego confessed that God was able to deliver them, but they didn't know if it was God's will. So they said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we are not going to bow down to your idol. Um, so they were confessing, and, and while they were, they were not boasting that they personally could beat the fire, but they confessed that God could if it was his will. But the thing is, is when we enter into trials, we never know exactly um, how God is going to be glorified the most. Whether it'll be like Lazarus who died and then he raised from the grave, or but whether it be like Peter's mother-in-law with a great fever and Jesus healed her and she got up and just moments was ministering unto them, serving them. Um, so, Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Are we brave? Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 9. Paul said, But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in who? In God, which raiseth the dead. So, this is a good description of bravery. We had the sentence of death in ourselves. In other words, we are willing to die if that is God's will in this situation. We are willing to die. Um, we're not trusting in ourselves. We're trusting in God because God has the power to raise the dead. That's exactly how Abraham looked at it when God asked him to offer up his son, Isaac. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that he re re received uh, this figure that resurrection of the dead. He, he fully believed when he pulled back his hand to slay his son that God was going to raise his son from the dead. Um, and so that's why it says in a figure he received him back from the dead. Because in his mind, 
He already considered him dead. Um, so bravery, this verse 9 is a good verse about bravery. Um, notice in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, we need a bravery that's totally dependent upon God, not our own strength, not our own abilities, not other people, but on God. 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God hath not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of what? Power and of love and of a sound mind. So God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's bravery. That's not a trust in ourselves, in our own strength. That is a trust in God. And so trusting in him, he has not given us the spirit of fear. Uh, will he... Deliver me from death in this situation? I, I never know till I get through the situation. But we need not fear. So this bravery is not of us. It's totally of God. Remember the night we were out on the street corner uh, by the police station and the boys in black came that night and they were kind of getting right up next to us, sometimes right behind us, sometimes trying to put their, they had, we were holding up scripture and they had little signs that they had made with vile things written on them. And they were trying to put their signs ahead of ours. And so when they first came, we didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I mean, they were just harassing us. You know, it's like right in your face type of thing. And so if I remember correctly at this point, I'm going to share with you, I was right near the very corner down there. And, and it seems like the, the big guy, you know, there was one, those of you who remember the boys in black, there was one guy that was much bigger than the others. And uh, I think it was him and one of the others that got kind of right in my face. And, and uh, I don't know what was being said back and forth, but... Um, then I so, suddenly noticed that one of our group was very brave because that person came and stood right by me. You know who it was? My wife. My wife. She came and stood right beside me, and I thought, she is brave. She is brave to come when these guys are harassing us, and, and I'm right in the fray there, and she comes up and stands right beside me. That's bravery. Now, I do not think she knows a hundred ways to kill a man with her bare hands. She may, but I am not aware of it. Uh, but I think her bravery was not in herself that night. It was in God. And that's what we need. Uh, uh, verse 7, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let's go to Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. And verse 14. Hebrews 2, 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And notice this, verse 15. And deliver them who through what? Fear of death were all their lifetime what? 
subject to bondage. Interesting verse. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. We need, we need a bravery that is totally dependent upon God, not ourselves, um, because otherwise it's nothing but pride. And as we think about this, those people who are afraid of death, their whole lifetime is subject to bondage. And, you know, the world, a lot of people in the world, you know, they have put on their cars and trucks, you know, no fear. The thing is, though, is lost people, many of them, do have a fear. And, and that fear is of being what they would call religious. Because it would, it would provoke them being mocked by their friends if they were perceived to be religious. But I, I think about here, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. You know, each of us have a choice. Well, will we be good soldiers of Jesus Christ? To be a good soldier, we cannot be a coward. To be a good soldier, we cannot make the number one thing um, protecting our own life. Uh, we'll never be brave. If that's the number one thing is always protecting our own lives, we'll never be brave. We've, we've got to put that, that trust in God. Otherwise, we'll be in bondage. Once again, that verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. People, people that first and foremost are just worried about staying alive, worried about their lives, um, they, they make their own prisons. It's a life of bondage, it says. So we don't want to be that. We want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That means we need to be brave. That means we can't put our lives first. It means we've got to put God first, whether it's in life or in death. Um, so let's go back to 2 Timothy 4. 2 Timothy 4. So a crown of righteousness is what we're looking at. 2 Timothy 4 and verse 7, he said, I have fought a good fight. So to get this crown, we need to fight a good, we need to fight a good fight. Um, we, need, we need to be active in the battle. I have fought a good fight. And then it says, I have finished my course. None of us know exactly what our course, how it will end. Um, I mean, the very end, we know, we're going to be with the Lord. But on this earth, none of us know. Um, I can recall when um, on a Wednesday night, um, we just ended prayer meeting, and uh, someone said there was a call for me. And I, and I think we was having a meeting or something, or it was needed to meet with for some reason. And so I kind of, you know, put off the call a little bit. I was thinking and didn't tell us through, but then I was made aware that they needed to talk to me. Well, it was um, a relative of Ken and Kay Wheelock. And, and he said, I just wanted to tell you that uh, brother Ken was killed tonight in an accident and sister Kay is in the hospital. And, oh, okay, 
That was a Wednesday night. Exactly one month from that Wednesday night, Brother Jerry Bond went to be with the Lord. Just 30 days apart, both Wednesday nights. And none of us know where our course, um, what exactly, how God is going to fulfill our course. We don't know. Uh, makes me think about John the Baptist. Um, his ministry would, would, we would consider it ending short, but he fulfilled God's course. Um, notice with me in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3 and verse 26. John 3, 26. And we'll go through verse 30. Verse 26, And he came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. So the crowd was kind of leaving John the Baptist, and it was going to Jesus. Verse 27. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must what? Increase, but I must what? Decrease. Have you ever been at a wedding where the best man uh, was frowning and, and wasn't happy? I've never seen that. And so, so, you know, usually the best man was chosen because that one is a friend of the groom. And so that friend of the groom does not envy him or begrudge him um, that he's getting married, but is happy for him. Um, and John's painting that picture here, verse 29, um, that he rejoices in that the people are going to Jesus Christ. But later on, I mean, John didn't know exactly how it was going to end for him. He, yes, Jesus must increase, I must decrease, but I don't think John planned on, planned on spending his last days in prison um, let alone losing his life there. Notice with me in Luke 7, Luke chapter 7, John did get discouraged sitting in jail. And so he sent some of his men to Jesus with a question here. Luke 7, 19, and we'll read through 28, verse 19. And John, calling unto him two of his disciples, sent them to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? John already knew the answer to this question. He had already said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He already knew the answer, but he was discouraged, just like we can become discouraged. Verse 20, When the men were come unto him, they said, John Baptist has sent us unto thee, saying, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? And in that same hour, he cured many of their infirmities and plagues and of evil spirits. And unto many that were blind, he gave sight. Then Jesus answering said unto them, Go your way and tell John what things ye have seen and heard. How that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, 
the dead are raised. To the poor, the gospel is preached. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And when the messengers of John were departed, he began to speak unto the people concerning John. What went ye out into the wilderness for to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and much more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not what? A greater prophet than John the Baptist. But he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. But that, that statement Jesus made, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Elijah was a prophet. Elisha was a prophet. Samuel was a prophet. Abraham was a prophet. It goes on and on. Men that God used. But the Lord said right here, among those born of women, there's not a greater uh, prophet than John the Baptist. So our course, none of us know. I mean, it would have been real easy to say, well, you know what? Um, you know, why did John die so young? You know, if he was right with God, why did he die? He was only six months older than Jesus. And Jesus, it's estimated to be about 33 and a half when he died. So um, John the Baptist had to be in his early 30s when he died. Uh, but Jesus, you know what, said, you know what, John fulfilled his course. There's no greater prophet born among women than John the Baptist. So as we go back to 2 Timothy 4, so we can have this crown of righteousness, but it means being involved in the battle. Involved in the battle. It means being on God's course and finishing it. And that is something we will never know until it happens when our course is finished in God's eyes. So it's not just for pioneer missionaries. Verse 8, 2 Timothy 4, 8 says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. What does it mean to love Jesus appearing? Well, there's a lot of people that say, oh, I just can't wait till the Lord comes. Um, but should there be something in our lives if that's true? And those are not just empty words. Yes. Um, notice in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Are those words true? John 14, verse 15. Jesus said, If ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. So if we truly love Jesus appearing, remember, that's going to be one thing about the crown of righteousness. He said to all that love his appearing. If we want this crown and each one of us can have this crown, 
Um, but what must be true of our lives if we get this crown as a reward? Um, notice Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. If we really love the Lord's coming, what will be true about us? Titus 2, let's read 12 through 14. Verse 12. Teaching us that denying what? Godliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and what? Godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious what? Appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So loving his appearing, that's what these verses are talking about, loving Jesus appearing. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might what? Redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of what? Good works. These three verses, verses 12 through 14, tell us. If we, if, if we want to ask ourselves the question, do I really love Jesus appearing? These are the three verses right here to come to. Because if we really do, these verses will be true in our lives. We'll be a peculiar people. And you know what it takes to be a peculiar people? Bravery. <laughs> what is bravery? It's not trusting in our own strength. It's totally trusting in God. He's not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Back years ago, I think it was 1992 when we did the first um, parade, I think we decorated the float in Sister Gaffney's garage. We just put hay bales on, uh, I don't know if it was Brother Snyder's wagon, somebody's wagon. Later on, we used Brother Ken's. But, and we went out there, and you know, those, those first parades, it was like there's a little trembling, as Paul said, you know, I was with you in weakness and fear, much trembling. When we first went out there, it was like, you know, don't know what to expect, but, and I'm sure you'd say the same thing, but once we got out there, it was like God puts a bravery in your backbone. I mean, now I, I love doing the parades, and, and uh, we need to pray that the city would cooperate where we could use sound again for park ministries. But it's like, uh, it's just a God-given bravery. We think about soldiers, you know, they're uh, Brother Verberg, uh, my wife's dad, was in World War II, and he came home with a silver star. Uh, they were in Germany, and um, they had what was called pillboxes, fortified bunkers, and uh, Brother Verberg, and I don't know if there was another couple soldiers, but anyway, they, they took some of those pillboxes. I mean, they were fortified, uh, and armed in those, and, and they took them. And so he was awarded the silver star for that. And we, serving the Lord, we just need to be willing to be in action for him and brave, relying totally upon him. And if, if we're, we're willing to be looked at as a peculiar people and not bother us, um, there is this 
crown of righteousness for those who love his appearing. I pray that each of us tonight and through this week and the rest of our course, whatever it is, would love his appearing. This crown could be each of ours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great grace. Lord, we are not even worthy to go to heaven, let alone be awarded a crown there. But Lord, we thank you for the great incentives that you give us. And I pray, Lord, we would, we would not be cowardly. We would not have our major concern trying to, trying to uh, protect our own lives. I pray our major concern would be seeking you first and your righteousness and leaving the rest in your hands. Lord, help us to be, to be brave in the battle for you and to rely totally on your strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our hymn books, if you would, please. <clears throat>